It reminded me of a, a story. A lady came up to her pastor after church one day. She said, I'm not, I'm not happy. He said, what's the matter with you? He said, well, I didn't, I didn't really care for praise and worship today. He said, well, that's all right. We weren't praising or worshiping you. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to come together as your children, as your family to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to do that very thing today and to be a blessing to others because of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, turn over to Jeremiah, the first chapter. Jeremiah. First chapter. Tell me when you got it. All right. I'm just going to read. Starting at the fourth verse of Jeremiah chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to me. That's Jeremiah speaking. Saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you will, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. I love Jeremiah. And learn a lot from his ministry. But I just want to use this example of Jeremiah today to point out the fact that we all have um, a plan for our lives. Maybe I said that backwards. Sometimes we have a plan for our lives, but it's not God's plan. But God has a plan for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. And it's our goal to get into line into agreement with his plan for our lives and surrender our plan for our lives until we both come of one accord. Amen. But every one of us has a plan that God has written for us. He knew us before we were ever born. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. And he wrote 
out all the days of our lives if we submit to His will and embark on this plan. It's a good one. Amen. We all have a God-given destiny, a purpose, but it's not guaranteed. And there's some things there that Jeremiah said that a lot of us, probably most people, will tend to gravitate toward in their response to the Lord if he came to us and spoke out loud the things that he said to Jeremiah, that he had a plan for us, a purpose for us, and what he wanted us to do, we would, first of all, think of a, an excuse right off the bat. Uh, 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 but God, but, 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 I'm only a youth. And honestly, I don't think he was that young. <laughs> and it didn't matter. Like God said, He's the one doing the work. And so, just like Jeremiah, every one of us could find an excuse because everybody's got one. You know the old adage. Or two or three. But the point with God is that it's not our weakness that matters. It's His strength. And... When it's his plan, then he's the one doing the work. So we need to never mention our weaknesses again. And remember that it's in our weakness that he is strong. (coughs) So he has a plan. There is a destiny, a purpose for each and every one of us. But there's also lots of refining, testing for us along the way. Amen? Open up to Psalm 12. Verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. This is a picture of God's holy word and the purity. But he's talking about a refining process here. He says, as silver... So we know the word of the Lord is perfect, right? That was Psalm 12, 6. We know the word of the Lord is perfect. And so he, re- he speaks of it as something that has gone through the silversmith's refining process. And he says here, purified seven times in this furnace on the ground. Just so you could have an image of that. The refiner used to heat up the silver to this boiling point. And I'm probably, if there was an expert here, they'd correct my terminology or whatever. But you get the point. And then all of the dross or all the impurities from the silver would bubble to the top. 
And then he would scrape it off and do it again. And the craftsman who knew how to do this determined along the way somehow that seven, which is God's holy number for himself and for perfection, was the right amount of times to do this to make sure that you got it all out of there and perfected this silver. And they say that the refiner knew that his work was complete after the seventh time when he could lean over and see his own reflection, his own image without obstruction in the reflection from the silver, the purified silver. And God describes his word this way. Now go over to the New Covenant, way back in the back, to 1 Peter. Chapter 1. That's the four Hebrews and... No, right after Hebrews, I mean. And James. Then Peter. 1 Peter 1... Verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Peter says, So, I'm going to back up. I'm going to black up all the way up to the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just wanted to say that. You never say it enough. When you don't know how to pray sometime and you're driving and you just feel like, well, I'm just not close enough to God. I'm not being the good Christian I need to be. And really, I don't even know how to pray. Just say that right there. Bless you, Father. You're awesome. Bless you, Lord. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Good place to shout. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for us. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Our faith is what guards us in our salvation. You realize that? How are you protected? The righteous shall live by faith. Why? It is faith that reaches out and obtains the things that are hoped for. And obtains the things that have been provided through the grace of God. And without those things, we're unprotected. So if we don't live a life of faith, there's very little protection for us because we're not taking advantage of the things that have been granted to us through salvation, through the atonement. So those of us who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, here we go. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he's talking about our testing, our refining. I might even have a couple more here. 
just kind of laying this out. Amen? Peter goes on to say, don't think it's something strange is happening to you. Because it feels like it. <laughs> you know, when you really come to God. I mean, you might have called yourself a Christian all your life like I did and like Tavana did. But when you really come into a relationship with the Lord, it feels weird. It's great and it's horrible and scary and amazing. And it just feels like something strange is happening to you. And Peter comforts us and said, don't worry. I know it feels that way, but you have brothers and sisters all around the world going through the same thing. Isn't that comforting? Because sometimes we feel kind of alone, don't we? Peter says, "Uh uh-uh. God says the same thing. He says, I'm never going to be left without a witness. Don't ever think that it's just you out there trying to maintain the this this battlefront against a sick and dying world. I got people everywhere. I got some praying for you. You don't even know about it. They're praying in the spirit. They don't know what they're praying. They're just they wake up in the middle of the night and I tell them to pray. And they begin to pray in tongues and they're praying for you sometimes. And most of the time they're just praying out their own edification and their own future, their own destiny, birthing things in their life. Hallelujah. I found one, Psalm 66.10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You see? Same process that he did with his own word. His own words are perfect. So what's he doing? Why is he, why is he purifying us? Why is he testing us? Like the silversmith tests the, the silver seven times in the fire and he's leaning over it and getting rid of all the impurities and the dross until finally what? What does he see in the reflection? His own image. When he looks at you. Oh my God. When you hear it like that, don't you just say, Lord, just just do it. Just do it, Lord. I tell him that all the time. Just just do it, Lord. I don't care what I say to screw up the things that you have planned for me. Don't listen to me. Unless I'm in agreement with you. All I want is you. Fix me, Lord. There used to be a song, powerful song, Fix Me. Sometimes we would feel like the church was rising up off the foundation. Some of those... uh, times in praise and worship I might do this once more and then I'll move on I think I can look in Revelation chapter 3 verse 18 God says I I counsel you this is the Lord speaking through through John in Revelation 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. All the things of God that we need, that we desire, that are beneficial to us, 
when we finally see him face to face. Amen. He spoke about those end times in Daniel as well. The 11th chapter of Daniel. The 35th verse. He says. And some of the wise shall stumble. So that they may be refined. Purified and made white. Until the time of the end. For it still awaits the appointed time. So some of us who know God. We're going to stumble a little. And God will help us. And he will refine us and purify us. No one can snatch you from his hands. Is what Jesus said. He loves you. And nothing is greater than that love that he has for you. And we know that he is faithful to complete the good work that he's began in each of us. Amen. In the next chapter of Daniel. The 12th chapter, the last chapter, the 10th verse. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly and. None of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Praise God. We understand. Those of us who have the Spirit of God, we have an unction from the Holy Ghost. We have a knowing. We know that we want to be more and more like Him. We have a desire for His holiness, for His beauty and His presence you know I see so many people now that spirit filled believers who just stay away from church and others who just you know maybe dipping their toe in the waters or looking through the windows but they just think it's okay just to don't even bother with church and it's just not okay we really you know how in in the epistles of John, he says, how can you say that you love God and hate your brother who you see? You know, you, you say you love a God who you don't see, but you hate your brother who's created in his image, who's right there with you. Church is a good place to go and practice all the things that we've learned about God and his character and be refined. Because you know, church is uh, just like the lady I mentioned in that little joke a while ago about not liking the praise and worship. You know, all of our little character flaws will be made evident the more the more interaction we have with God's people. And what better place to get the edges knocked off than right there in the church where you have family there that loves you, the family of God that is. I tell people it's much better to be in a leaky boat than out there swimming by yourself in the vast ocean. You know. So there's going to be a lot of tests in this journey. This plan of God's for our destiny. And it's good to allow Him and to to pray about it and to welcome when He 
When we see things wrong, because at the end of the day, I don't know about you guys, but I generally try to reflect on my day. And it's not about who I'm mad at or who I'm going to put on my list. It's to make sure I let all that go. Forgive. Give it to God. Cast my cares on Him. Even if I don't feel a release of that yet, I say, Lord, I don't care how I feel. I'm telling you, I forgive. I forgive everybody. And sometimes I feel the boiling inside of me still rising up. I'm not going by that. That that feeling's a liar as far as I'm concerned. Anger, fear, those are liars. And I'm not listening to those. So I tell the Holy Spirit right out loud, So I choose you. I don't care how I feel. I hope you'll fix that. But I, I'm choosing forgiveness. I let it go. I give it to you. I'm not staying in that jail. (laughs) Because pride is a killer. And we need to be tested and tried and repaired. We need to be tested. The test of humility is going to come at us from every direction. I always say pride is like an onion. It has so many different layers and so many different looks. But humility is a a big one. Without that, God, you know, is not going to work in your life. You're not going to you're not going to respond to God properly if you're operating in pride. So humility is key. He's going to test our character. He's going to test us on our stewardship because we are steward of everything he gives us, whether it's monetary or physical or time or gifts or whatever it is he's going to test us on how good of a manager we are of all the things he's put into our care he's going to test our integrity over and over and over again and he's going to test our perseverance and all of those things are important but the culmination of all that to fulfill our purpose i would say that faithfulness is the key To everything. God is faithful. And if we want to. Be like him. We need to learn. To be faithful as well. Abraham Lincoln. Used to say. Determine what your gift is. And then allow that gift. To give you direction. Then set your course. In that direction. And simply be faithful. I think a lot of people quit when they're really inside of the finish line. Matter of fact, I know it. It's so easy to be distracted, you know. We've talked about that a lot. I talked about the, the guy running the race and he's winning by a mile, but he stops to argue with the the people in the in the bleachers that are telling him how he's running the race wrong. explain why he's doing it the way he's doing it and he gets passed up. I think it's good to remember that it's the the tortoise that won the race. He was faithful, steadfast. Amen. Look over in Matthew chapter 10 for a minute. Talk about distractions 
it's so easy to be distracted these days and to, I don't know, almost to feel a sense of hopelessness. I guess I'm thinking about all those people that stay home. Somebody told me not long ago, a great minister that I, that I admire and respect and love, that, uh, that he heard that somewhere it's 60 to 70 percent range of all spirit-filled believers don't even go to church. And I think that's a mistake. But you look around and you could you can understand that how things can get so muddled, you know. Matthew chapter 10, look at the 34th verse. And I want to just talk about this for a second. Because I think it's relevant right now and it's something that we... If we talk about it, then it's not surprising when we see it in in action. Amen. You know how you kind of like when you talk to kids about things that they're going to come across with peer pressure and things like that. If they've had that discussion with you prior to that thing being thrown in their face, then it's not as hard for them to make the right choice. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is the Lord Jesus And he says something here that is really unsettling to a lot of people. He said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When people hear that, he says, I have not come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then I think in our minds, we go back to the Christmas story a lot of times. In Luke chapter 2, when uh, I think it's 14th verse, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 2, the 14th verse. Keep your finger where you were before. I'll just read it. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God in the highest. Remember the angels saying the night Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace amongst those who with whom he is pleased. This is the English Standard Version. But the King James Version just says, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Remember that? So, so then he says here, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well... The peace that the angels were talking about on the night Jesus was born was not was was peace toward men from God, not peace between men. Jesus, the peace that Jesus has paid for is peace between you and God, if you'll accept it by faith. But we know that not everyone will accept it because they won't accept Jesus. 
And that's how you accept it. That's the peace. That's the contingency. That's the condition. The only salvation. The only redemption. The only grace. Available. To the corrupted seed of fallen man. Is through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And his precious blood on the cross. Amen. So the peace on earth is. Between us and God. And not between each other. And it's not going to be. Peace on earth until Jesus returns. Unfortunately. But it's important to note that God is not the one who causes this division, is He? As a matter of fact, He wants everyone to be born again. That's His desire. That's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's God's will that all should be saved. All born again. And it's also God's will that all of His Born again children should love one another. Amen? Be of one accord. And I believe that Jesus will have that prayer answered. By the time that the real church steps forward and is raised up. And the dividing lines will then even be more clear. They're getting to be very clear these days. It's not really about who calls themselves a Christian. One of my favorite scriptures in John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus explains very clearly. This is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. They know you. It's an intimate, passionate relationship with God is what defines eternal life. Not a prayer, not a baptism, or any of that other stuff. The relationship between us and God is defined by revelation and intimacy. So eternal life is in that relationship in this very moment. It's not about a lifetime in heaven with God or living forever. Everyone lives forever. I got news for you. But hell is real just as heaven is real. People need to watch where they send their kids off to school these days. We have some friends that everybody's working two and three jobs. The father and the mother, he already had a heart attack. And they just to spend the $50,000 a year to send her to out-of-state school. And she was a, a great young Christian girl when she left here. Came back after one semester saying, there's no hell. Hello. How would you like to pay for that? I wouldn't. 
that God wants us all to be saved, all to love one another, but that's not going to happen. Look at Matthew chapter 7. A lot of scriptures today. Is it blessing you though? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13. Jesus speaking here. Instructing us. Enter by the narrow gate. And he's the gate. For the gate... He's the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So much for all those who think uh, everybody just goes to heaven. If they're believing in Jesus, I don't know how they can say that. Because we believe that this entire book is perfect from cover to cover. Doesn't need any other book to go with it. And if anyone offers another book to go with it, they're disqualified. As far as I'm concerned. And as far as God's concerned. And if they take anything out of this book. Like lots do. They have to. And the only way they do that. Let me tell you. This is the trick. This is the trap of the devil. He gets people to believing. Instead of what it says in this book. That says all scripture is God breathed. And given by inspiration of God. Which shows that this book is written by God. Through men. Well they don't accept that. And they say this is an old book. Outdated, in other words. They make it old and outdated. Written by men about God. And in that case, there's a lot that's still open for discussion, maybe. Debate. And once you allow that, then you can rule out portions or you can change it as you will. And once you change something, you can change a bunch of it or you can take big portions out. So then, they take portions that they like and they... Leave out the rest and they leave out anything that is in opposition to what they want it to say about their life, their love, their money, their anything. And once you do that, then what are you believing in? Because you can decide at any given time that it's uh, you decide to change your mind. Honestly, the Catholic Church. Catholicism is steeped in problems. Look at all the problems with the priests. They're acting like this is something new. They're so upset about it all of a sudden. And I'm like, well, that wasn't a secret to any of us. And the truth is, the Bible says that that's doctrine of demon. Forbidding men to marry. And look what it produces. But did they repent of it? No. They decided they want to do something about some of these crimes. 
good. But they should just do away with the the priest not allowing them to marry. Because that's the doctrine of demon. Teaching people to pray to the dead relatives. Pray to Mary. There's not a single thing in this book that would imply that they can hear you. If they could, why would you want to bring them back to this tragedy? Instead, what you may be doing is opening up doors for the devil through familiar spirits to come in and wreak havoc in your life. But if you say this to those who are doing it, you're mean. Well, it doesn't harm anything. It just brings me comfort. I understand that. And that's not what I'm trying to take from you. I'm trying to prevent something worse from coming into your spiritual life and causing you real harm. But people have to be committed to this word, to the veracity, the truth of this word, and the fact that it is from God before. And not only that, there's some that believe that the Bible is the word of God, but they're not surrendered to it. In other words, a real Christian, you should be able to reason with them. Come on, let us reason together. What's the word say? Because after all, all we really want is we don't care about being right. We want to be reconciled. We want to go by what God says is right. So if I'm wrong and you show me, then we should agree on what God says. Now, I understand there are a lot of things that doctrinally that can be disputed one way or another. That's okay. Leave those things alone then. Important things we agree on is that Jesus died for our sins. He's coming back for us someday. Amen. But the reason that I pointed out that Jesus said enter by the narrow gate for broad is the basically the highway to hell. And the narrow road is hard to find and only a few find it is because Although it is God's will that all be saved and that all those who are saved love one another, we see that it's just not going to happen that way, is it? Because he says only a few are going to find the path to true life and stay on it. And again, just to show another witness, we go to 2 Timothy 2. No, 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy 3, 12. No, that's not it either. Oh, forgive me. That's okay. We'll just move on. Since we're back there, look at 2 Timothy 3, 16, since you only have to turn a couple pages. Since I mentioned the Scripture a moment ago, 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Some say God breathed. Some say by is given by inspiration of God. Anyway, the point is that this book 
came through God, from God, through men. There's a big difference. And we need to live by it. Amen. But we know by the word that in these end times, things are just going to get worse. We see that the church is going to get more powerful and more real and walk in a higher anointing and authority. And there will be revival in this nation. I know it doesn't seem like it, but there will be and it will be soon, I, I believe. And we just need to remain faithful. There's, uh, you know, the, the commission that the Lord Jesus gave us was to go into the whole world and preach the gospel. But he also, he started by saying, start right where you're at in Jerusalem. In other words, it's a picture for us right there in your own family, in your own household. And we're going to be rejected many times there. And it might just be temporary. So don't be too moved by it because it's it's easily to take it very personal and to you know because i mean you, you look around and you're like wow i have this wonderful relationship with the lord but 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 all those around me are perishing you know and that can be quite disturbing but again we have to just trust god my wife reminds me of this i thank god for her all the time because i take it it's hard you know it's hard on me because i want everybody to be saved it's hard on me because I'm, I'm continually asking the Lord, you know, how to be more effective, how to how to help more people to come into relationship with him and and not die. Because we all know people that have died way before their time. And if people are just waiting around till they're old and on their deathbed to maybe make things right, then some of them may be very disappointed. Amen. And besides that, the benefits of the relationship in this life are immense. Even though it seems like everybody hates you because you're a Christian these days, uh, it doesn't matter. Because you have God. What can man do to you? It's just going to get worse in that regard, though. And I just want to say that it's imperative that you just remain faithful. Faithful to God and keep on preaching the word. Keep on talking about your experience with God, your salvation experience. You're the only Christ that some people will ever hear. Some people I'll never reach. Some people Billy Graham never reached. Some people Andrew Womack will never reach. Only you will have an opportunity to speak to them about Jesus and how good he is and all you have to do is just tell them what's happened in your life. You don't have to be proficient in the word. You know enough to know that, hey man, he came and died on the cross for our sins. And all we have to do is accept it by faith. Just put our trust in that. That's a, that's a pretty good message right there. That's what I did. And man, ever since I did, this is happening, this is happening, this sin has fallen away. I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm not tangled up in this anymore. Because sometimes if we look around, it's easy to be discouraged. But I always have taken comfort in a story about... I'm done here, but... Um, you ever heard of John Wesley? A great preacher. He affected millions upon millions of people, and he still is. He's been gone for many, many, many years. But I just want to read you 
a page out of the diary of a man named John Wesley. He he set his course and God's plan once he realized what his what his gift was, he stayed the course. He headed in that direction. And now we know that if he hadn't it, it would have uh, God would have had to raise somebody else up and it might have taken a lot longer for the grace of God to to be evident to the body of Christ. Here's what he wrote. Sunday AM, May the fifth, that's my birthday, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday PM, May fifth. Preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday AM, May the 12th. Preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday PM, May the 12th. Preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday AM, May the 19th. Preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m. May the 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m. May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday a.m. June the 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m. June the 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear. God is faithful. He persevered and he, he stayed on course and he wasn't distracted by the things that he saw. It's in a book that I have, but I'm sure you could look it up about John Wesley because it comes from his diary. When was, his, when was he alive? What year? Oh, I want to say he, I'd be guessing, but it was, it was a couple of centuries ago when John Wesley was. 16th, 17th century or yeah. 1800? Or yeah, something like that. Look it up. Y'all come tell me next time. But the point is to stay the course and be faithful don't be discouraged or distracted let god take the dream that he has placed inside of each of you and make it his fulfilled destiny amen he'll do it we just put our trust in him and it comes when we come to a place of total surrender to god that's where we need to be Father, thank you for your precious word and this message on faithfulness, Lord, and purpose and destiny. We thank you, Lord, and we believe that you do have a good plan for us. Help us to realize those dreams, to make our desires your desires, or vice versa, make your desires ours. Put your desires in our heart, Lord. And we thank you that we will stay the course and be faithful and not be distracted or discouraged until all of your dreams for us come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen.